Welcome to another edition of the MCB Roundtable Motor City Bengals here on SportsRadioDetroit.com and, of course, on the Tiger Miley Reports Network. I'm Rahel Castillo. Alongside me is a various, various crew here. As I'm jealous of all the beers you guys were sharing on the Slack chat. So Jacob's rocking a Dragon's Milk White, which looks pretty tasty with a 6% there. Nice. Uh, John is rocking a, or Yupa rather, is rocking a, how do you say that correctly? Uh, I was going to see if you're going to try that. Keeping up. Really jumping. All right. There, a red jacket there. Okay. And John, uh, John is rocking a scotch. Nice there. Nice. And Kellen, Kellen, you're not, uh, Kellen, by the way, Kellen, who is joining us for the first time. Welcome. And are you rocking, where's your, do you have a bottle of water or something you want to share or? I'm rocking a mango smoothie. Nice. 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 (laughs) Touche. Elf. Touche. I like the, I like the, is that a deer behind you, by the way? That's uh, that's pretty sweet there. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So tonight, a lot to get to. The Tigers in their first series win since 2018 in Cleveland, which is going back to September 12th or 13th, I believe it was. And plenty, plenty of highlights to get to. There's a lot of feeling good about the weekend after coming in, losing 20. They, they snapped a 20-game losing streak. They also snapped the division losing streak. But let's get right into it. And the kids are here. So you have Casey Mize. Derek Scooble, who pitched today, pitched really well. I thought two, two, two one-thirds innings, five strikeouts. And Isak Paredes what, three hits today, did really well. And Casey Myers goes tomorrow against the Cubs, who are one of the league's hottest hitting teams right now. Ian Happ's been hitting out of his mind at the leadoff spot. Let's talk about what have you liked so far and what you've seen. I'll start with you, Kellen. You're the you're the new guy on the block. So what do you think of the kids so far? Yeah, so obviously um, we've seen Paredes a few games. Um, one start from Myers, two starts from Scooble. Um I think kind of the consensus on Paredes is he gives a, a pretty professional at bat. Um, and that's kind of almost become cliche because we've heard that so much on him, but um, really he, he goes up there and he, he takes balls, he swings at strikes um, and he's been hitting the ball hard um, on Paredes. He might not have the, the ceiling eventually as a miser, a scuba. Um, but right now I think he definitely has a chance to be as good this season um, <clears throat> I think we're kind of seeing the adjustment period, especially for Scooble right away. Um, but Paredes, I think has a, a decent chance to maybe hit 280 with, you know, five home runs the rest of the way. I could definitely see that. I'm um, also on Scooble. I thought he, he rebounded well today. Um, he, he learned really early on in that Chicago start. I think that, uh, his fastball, he can't really just, just rely on that. Like he did in the minors to kind of blow by hitters. Um, and so I think he he used all four of his pitches well today. Um, I saw him double up on that changeup a couple times, which I thought was huge. Um, I believe it was a, a 3-1 count to Lindor in the third inning today. Um, he was kind of in a tough spot there down 3-1, and he threw that changeup on the outside corner, got him to swing through that. Um, I thought that was a really good sign. So um, really nice stuff from Scooble using all four of his pitches well um, and really like what I've seen from all three of them so far. All right, what about you, John? Um, to go along with that with Scooble, I think obviously he's been pretty good there. Um, the thing I like the most, though, is he's not scared to use the fastball. I mean, he used it 70% in the minors last year, but when it came time for like a big spot, 
He just said, here's my best pitch. Try to hit it. I'm going to throw it right down the middle. It's me versus you. And he won. He got a couple strikeouts, like a 3-2 count with a fastball, maybe not quite down the middle, but pretty close. So I like that, that he's kind of got that mentality of, I'm going to come at you. I'm not going to play games. Um, earlier in the counts, you know, he's got to learn to control his pitch count a little better. He had a couple too many uh, three-ball counts, but, you know, he looked good. I'm happy about that. Um, Paredes, the thing that killed me was there was a 2-2 count on his you know debut night, and this pitch hit the corner, and it was borderline baller strike. I think there were two guys on, and he took it. And my jaw dropped because the ump called it a ball, but you've got to be amped up, and he just had, you know, he was ice cold. He just looked at it like, oh, that's a ball. Try again. And that was just the coolest thing for me to watch that. Um, and then Mize, as advertised, I mean, the splitter's unreal. It has so much drop, so much movement that he's, he's just going to be awesome. Jacob, what about you? Yeah, I think you guys have covered Paredes and Scooble very, very well. So I won't touch on them too much. But um, a couple of notes about Mize. I, I don't think you can talk enough about the splitter. I mean, it is it's a nasty pitch. Um, he was getting some of the, the best white White Sox hitters out with it. Um, and, you know, when a, when a pitcher can throw something and it's nasty and the knows it's coming and still get them out, I mean, that's really impressive. And, and I think that the White Sox hitters knew that, the, I mean, they just couldn't hit it. So that was really what stuck out with, with Mize. And, you know, I was talking to – friend of the website and actually a former writer, uh, James Chipman, a uh, friend of the show. And he was talking about how, when he saw Mize in the minors, he relied heavily on his cutter and uh, didn't seem to trust the fastball that well, but looking, you know, at his debut, he really trusted the fastball. Um, and I don't know if that was because he added some movement to it. It looked like it had significantly more run than I remember watching. Um, but I was really impressed with his, his ability to both rely on the fastball as well as deploy the the split finger. Yeah, especially on especially on right-handers, I did notice that too. Marty, what about you? Yeah, so piggybacking off what Jake says about Mize here. So I mean, so he's the first Tiger to strike out seven with zero walks in his debut ever. So I mean, that's pretty incredible. He struck out Moncada. He struck out Eloy Jimenez. And he even got Anderson. You know, even though he you know he got the better of him earlier. Um, the splitter, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about it. I mean, he, he generated 14 swings on the splitter, six whiffs. So, I mean, that's something to look forward to, guys. I mean, this guy, he has a, he has lights out pitches and pitches that can get people out. Um, I mean, the White Sox, I mean, they're fourth in runs overall. I mean, Tim Anderson's the batting champ. The, the you know, leader in RBIs of last year was Jose Abreu. So he played a top-notch offensive team, and he did pretty well. So, I loved what I saw from Mize. He's going to build off that. I think he's going to be really solid. Scoobull, you guys have touched on him. Uh, so I'll just say about Paredes. I mean, his K percent is just 38.9. He's got to get that down. He's almost close to 40% striking out every time he walks out there. So, I mean, he's batting 250. He has the grand slam. He has a couple walks, um, but he needs to get the strikeouts down. But, you know, something you'll work on. It's first week up. So, overall, I'm encouraged with, the, uh, what, with what I'm seeing from the young guns. Yeah, it's good to see the kids progressing. Youper, you have the last word on this. Oh, well, I think big picture, just the, the fact that they called all three up at once. I hope there's a, a day down the road, a year or two from now, where you look at this week as the week where 
they started going back the other way that maybe the rebuild, this is where the bottom is. And now we're going back up because now the, the, the fruits of finishing last, you know, they're starting to show up, uh, you know, building a minor league system and, and adding guys to the big league roster. Uh, we saw some nice flashes of that. So I hope that's the big picture take at the end of all this. Uh, this is the day of the week. It started going the other way. Um, just a little bit individually. I like Scooble today. Uh, what I was impressed with through the swinging third strikes, it looks to me, and obviously we're looking at four innings, so we have a lot, a lot more to, to watch, but it looks like he can get some outs in the strike zone, which I think is always important. Uh, he's not going to always be relying on fooling people to swing that stuff out of the zone because I just don't think that works with the big leagues all the time. He was able to put some stuff in the zone and they couldn't handle it. Uh, so if he can keep building on that, I think that's a really excellent sign. And I'll just say that uh, the Paredes at bats have been fun to watch. I mean, just, he's a different kind of prospect than a lot of tiger bats have been. It just looks like he has some confidence in there that, Hey, I can take a pitch and, uh, I can come back to battle on the next one. Uh, so, uh, it's a good start. And so it's been a fun week. Yeah. It has been a fun week to, for those guys, what has not been a fun week, however, is the bullpens. The bullpen is taken in terms of just because the starting pitcher has not gone deep so far. And I understand a lot of these starts, be that as it may, with my, or excuse me, with Google's first start and a second start, you saw the bullpen come out and they, they, they've been forcing the issue a little bit. So it's it's strange for me as a traditionalist to see the bullpen out in the third or fourth inning so often. But with the, with the way the schedule has been, it's understandable, but it's it's a new norm, if you will. But here they are in the middle of the pack in terms of numbers. And, you know, I, I know I'll start with you, Marty, on so far you saw today, Eminem has just struggled and it could be a blimp again, but his fastballs has lost a little bit of velocity. Cisnero, Kellen's boy, getting in there, doing a good job. That slider looked really good, by the way. That slider has got some nice rotating, rotating action. Honestly, it is a concern in the sense of how many innings are in way, but is there any names out there or just give me one guy right now. That's been an unsung hero for you in this bullpen so far. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go super recent here. Daniel Norris. Um, from what I'm saying, you know, he's going to, I think he's going to be a solid long reliever for, for what we need for him out of this year for the COVID year, which is, as you were alluding to, a lot of our starters aren't going to be going maybe past three, four or five innings. So we're going to need a lot more of that. So far he has a 2.270 array, 11 Ks and 13 innings. You know, he's forcing fastball. You know, he's he's mixing it well with this change. And he's even using a slider. I mean, the usage was up to 15.2. Um, so I'm digging what I'm seeing there. Um, and, uh, yeah, just he's got to keep going. Other than that, I mean, what, what we thought was possibly something great in Soto, he's since fallen off. Joe Jimenez, you know, he's his ERA was a, a cool 81.0. I know that from my fantasy baseball team as he's one of uh, he's on one of my teams. And I saw 81.0 as a ZRA. I was like, well, <laughs> that's not going to win anything. So, um, but yeah, Daniel Norris sticking out the most for me. What about you, Jacob? For me, it's, it's Gregory Soto and he's not necessarily an unsung hero. If that's what you're looking for. So apologies there. But as far as a guy that has, Surprise some people. Um, he's definitely done the job. It's it's power from the left side, and I'm not comparing the two by any stretch, but there there seems to be these shades of like Felipe Vasquez light kind of thing. And if he can be Vasquez light, that's 
you know, that's value from an area where you weren't really sure what you were going to get out of Gregory Soto because he was in that opener kind of hybrid role for so long. Um, and it was, it was kind of weird seeing dread Gregory Soto at first, but now it's hard to imagine him without it. It's come like a part of him. So it's, it's been fun to see Greg Soto. Um, that's probably my guy as far as the bullpen goes kind of recent struggles, but as long as strikes and he's on, he's nasty. What about you, John? Uh, I got to go with Brian Garcia. Um, you know, everybody knows in 2016, 2017 in the minors. I mean, ERA was two four one two one three. I mean, he was unbelievable. Everybody was, you know, waiting for him to get called up. Tommy John, of course, comes back in 2019. Does decent, you know, in the minors, comes up with a big club for seven games. Does just terrible. But this year, he's starting to look good. I mean, the ERA is down. The walks are up and the strikeouts are down. So that's a little nerve-wracking. But for a guy that we kind of waited on, if this is who he is, I'm okay with it. Absolutely. And how about you, Uper? What do you got? Uh, well, I like a lot of the guys who have been mentioned. I think, you know, Norris is doing great. Uh, really looks good. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Garcia. I hope he keeps going in the right direction. Well, let's talk about Cisnero. I mean, 31 years old, journeyman, uh, hasn't pitched in the in, in, you know, pitch internationally all over the place. Uh, he, he did a great job coming in today, and actually he's had a good week overall. Uh, he's got some nastiness to him, and I'm starting to have some pretty good confidence in a guy that uh, quite I'll be very frank, I barely heard of him uh, before this spring. So um, you know, hopefully. If they do decide to go another route uh, in the ninth inning and take Jimenez out of there for a while, I would like to see Cisnero get that chance uh, over Soto. Uh, I like righties more uh, just uh, in that role. It's because more often than not, they're not as uh, likely to have the uh, platoon de deficit. So hopefully they go with him if, if, if they make a change. <clears throat> yep. And what, uh, Callan, did you go yet? Not yet. The floor is yours, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, kind of like Jake, I think that uh, I really think Soto is the best reliever in the pen right now. Um, he's just got that power stuff, and and despite a little bit of a blip in the performance, um, I think the advanced numbers still look really good on him. Uh, so I really expect him to kind of continue his step forward throughout the rest of the year. Uh, as for Cisnero, I think Soto has the is definitely the best reliever, but I think Cisnero might have the best pitch. Um, and that's that slider that you mentioned. Um, and he's just been really commanding our attention with that pitch really over the past couple of weeks. Uh, when he locates that down in the zone, it's it's basically unhittable. Uh, and, and so far that pitch this year, hitters hitting under 100 against it, 55% whiff rate, um, which is absolutely elite. The only thing on him is I think I want him to throw that slider more. Um, he throws it about 25% of the time right now. And we, we know he can get up to, you know, 97, 98 with that fastball, but um, I'd like to see that slider usage bump up even more. Cause I mean, it's just, it's a nasty pitch right now. And also don't forget about Buck Farmer. Um, he, he's coming back from injury now. ERA today dipped up back under three. Um, he's really been just a, a consistent force in that bullpen over the last year or so. Yeah, no, Farmer coming back is going to be really important for us. And real quick, um, if Joe Jimenez continues to struggle, go around the horn here, ask each one of you your opinion. Who's going to be the one to take over as a closer? Jake, start with you. I, 
I'm going to stick with Soto. I think the closer stuff is there. I think he has the ability to, to make it happen. Um, and like I said, when he's devastating, you need a guy that can go in, that can miss bats, that can get those three out. So that, that would be my closer. Uper? Uh, I mentioned Cisnero earlier. I would say Cisnero or Buck Farmer right now. I like Soto uh, in the in the sixth, seventh, eighth innings, uh, matching up when they got a, you know, if, if the middle of the order is coming up and they got a small lead, I like Soto in that spot. Or for more than three outs, maybe uh, four or five outs would be good. So I, w- I would say Cisnero for now. Callum? Yeah, to be honest, I don't know if they really need a set closer. Um, you know, I think that the the committee approach would probably work well with um, you know, Soto, Cisnero, Farmer, depending on the matchup, um, with Soto and Cisnero having more of the strikeout stuff, but Farmer being more of that, um, ground ball consistent presence back there. John? Uh, I say we call up Faedo. I mean, we drafted him basically because of how well he did in the college world series. (laughs) He does well with the adrenaline pump in the ninth innings, his that slider fastball combo, forget everything else. I want to see it. (laughs) <laughs> bold that's another bold take man you're coming out with them it's two uh two two weeks in a row we're coming out with them so i enjoy hey, that they didn't call up andrew vaughn i was wrong about that but uh right i mean they called up their top pitcher so i'm i'll count that as a win yeah that was <laughs> it was close it was close to a win close i'll take it cool well i mean guys i mean this last weekend we got to enjoy some good tigers baseball right we finally beat the uh the cleveland indians the first time since 2018 we won the series so Want to get your thoughts, um, you know, so a little bit more of the, your takeaways here on it. Ayub, or start with you. Well, you know, it's getting a good look at Cleveland. I don't think the Tigers are that far away. I mean, obviously, the Cleveland's a better team overall. But I think that if some of these young kids come up and the Tigers make the right moves in the next offseason, uh, Cleveland doesn't scare me. Um, you know, I think we got to worry a lot more about the White Sox. I mean, Cleveland has, and the Twins, obviously, uh, but, you know, Cleveland has that nice rotation, but their offense, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, doesn't scare me a whole lot. Uh, so it was good to see the Tigers, you know, uh, score some runs, win a series there, get rid of that 20-game losing streak so we can just never talk about that again and uh, uh, move forward with the season. Jake, what, how do you feel about the series? How did it make you feel? I, I'm not one that's typically cynical and this is going to come off as cynical. I don't really mean it that way, but in my opinion, they dodged a couple of bullets by not having to deal with Zach Plesak or Mike Clevenger, mm-hmm. you know, that whole COVID situation, the, the locker room was reportedly a mess. One of their vets reportedly threatened to quit the team. Um, so, you know, I, I was encouraged and I, and I'm excited and, two out of three series win Cleveland who we've struggled with so much, you know, it's all great, but I just can't help but think that things would have been differently if those two would have pitched two out of the three games in the series. And name is Bieber too. Right. Yep. Definitely <laughs> got lucky. Didn't, didn't, uh, I mean that whole, that whole just uh, starting pitching staff is insane. I mean, Bieber, Clevenger, I mean, Cookie Carrasco, we got to see him. He, we beat him up a little bit, which is actually encouraging. Um, but I mean, obviously it's just great to see him on the field and healthy. You know, I, I like Carrasco, even though he is an Indian, I've always been a fan of what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, John, how about you? Well, of course, I mean, ahead and sometime, right? I mean, regression to the mean, I think we should win a couple now, 
But uh, to bounce off what Jake was saying, my master's thesis was actually on social cohesion in a locker room for baseball and how it affects the team. And when you have Plesak and Clevenger just going out and the locker room being a mess, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, handing off the torch because the Tigers locker room, I mean, I've been a big fan of Maven just for the what he brings to the locker room. So I think this might be the moment where Indians, their dynasty is coming down and ours is coming back up. I think it's a lot just with the clubhouse there. Well, yeah, and touching on that, actually, I got a question. Do you think they're going to allow um, them both back in with open arms? Or do you think it's going to be something that's going to linger? If they let them back in, I think it's going to make even worse for the clubhouse. So, so you think I they're would, done? You don't think they're coming? Clevenger's not coming back in? I think Clevenger needs to get traded, and I don't know who would take him. Uh-huh. Plesak, I mean, at least he fessed up to it right away, where Clevenger hit it, got on the team plane. But Plesak, I can see coming back, apologizing, they can move on. But if Clevenger comes back, I don't know that I'd want to be in that clubhouse. Wow, okay. All right. And Keller. Just for some context, uh, I tweeted this out the other day on on that uh, 20-game losing streak to Cleveland. Um, I went back and and pulled the Vegas odds for each of those games and, and calculated it out, and there was a 0.036 chance of them losing all 20 of those games in a row like they did. Um, and if you would put, what's that? And we did it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. yeah. Against all the odds. Yeah. And if, if, uh, if you would put $10 on that first Cleveland game on the first Cleveland Tigers game, if you put $10 on Cleveland, carried your winnings all the way through, you would currently have $27,900. <laughs> awesome. That's how crazy that losing streak is. Um, but yeah, you made the point, uh, Marty on the, the Indians pitching that that's kind of what stuck out to me on Saturday a little bit is just Tristan McKenzie, um, and how impressive he was obviously oh, yeah, him too. And, uh, <laughs> and striking out, yeah, striking out 10 guys. Um, we've seen Bieber who's a Cy Young candidate. Now we've seen Clevenger, Plesak, even Savale. We've seen them develop all those guys. And now you're coming up with McKenzie. They've got Ethan Hankins, Espino, Torres, their first round pick this past year, Tanner Burns. Like the list just goes on and on and on of all these guys that are, you know, coming up and being successful and just have so much talent. Um, And I think that's really what sets the Indians apart here and what, you know, what's going to help them continue to be successful is just their pitching development. You know, it it seems like no matter who they bring up, even Plutko, who, who definitely lacks raw talent, I mean, he's been decently successful just because they've been so good at developing these guys. Um, and I think that's, that's definitely what sets them apart. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, once Adam Plucko can, it means he can ever kind of get back to what they thought he might've been. I mean, that would just be another, you know, uh, bullet in the chamber for that t- whole team. I mean, the Indians team and hats off to their, uh, their coaching staff being able to really develop these pitchers. I mean, it seems like, you know, every time we turn around here, we have another great pitcher coming through that organization. And it's something that we've only had, what, Verlander? And uh, who else, guys? Who have we had in the last 20 years really come through? Porcello. Oh, how can you for Yeah, Porcello. You can't forget oh. him. Game 163. <laughs> <laughs> every, every day I wake up, I try to forget Rick Porcello. But, yeah, I guess you're right. I shouldn't be. <laughs> I shouldn't forget him. But, yeah, I think that uh, in, terms of their, in terms of their pitching in the minors, I mean – I don't know if you can say they rival the Tigers there, but I think in terms of the results they're going to get from those guys, I think they're severely underrated there. All right, great. Well, okay, so as we stand now, our Detroit Tigers are 12 and 15, okay? So that puts us in the race for the playoffs. 
I'm going to ask one of you, each one of you guys, are you going to be selling? Are you, do you think the Tigers should be buyers or sellers? And if so, which one? Pick one, and then who are you getting rid of or who are you, who are you buying? All right, we're going to start with you over here. Are we, are we selling or are we going with everybody? Uh, I think you, you test the market and sell if you can. Depends on you know uh, what, what's out there. I think there are a couple of bullpen pieces the Tigers have, like, like Norris. Uh, like possibly Buck Farmer, could bring something. When you see what the, um, you know, the Red Sox moved Workman and Hembry, um, and they got a decent return. Uh, of course, the Red Sox also added in 800 grand uh, to make that deal happen. So it'll, it would, you know, is Mike Illich looking to, or excuse me, Chris Illich looking to uh, add in some money to make a deal happen? I, you know, well, I guess that remains to be seen, but. If the Tigers could, you know, find a deal where they think they have a guy who could become an average regular or slightly above average regular bat uh, in return for one or two of their relievers, that would be a, a deal I would be very interested in making. Jake? Yeah, I, I actually wrote an article on this, and I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I, I suggested that they held at the deadline. I just thought that with an expanded playoff and looking at the roster construction of the team, there just wasn't enough really there to really go for it, but they also couldn't, you know, unload. And, and the thing that kind of frustrates me, or I guess that, that prevents me from saying, you know, sell, sell, sell is the Tigers haven't had a good history of rental players as, as far as trade goes. They they've, They've done decently well, I guess, for what the market has has allowed for. But the market for rentals is just complete trash right now. So, um, you know, do I want to hang on to scope for another 30 games or do I want to see him go somewhere else and, and get a lottery ticket? I'd almost rather keep him at this point. You know, the the rewards that we've seen out of J.D. Martinez and and uh, Mike Fires, you know, they haven't been there. So um, jury's still out on a couple of those guys. But I guess generally speaking, I'm kind of soured on the sell, especially rentals. And then, you know, they kind of have all the leverage, I guess, on, on the flip side of things, um, if they do, because they're not necessarily – forcing themselves to make any moves. Um, so while guys like Turnbull have a lot of control and they could be valuable for the future, they also have value uh, going somewhere else and potentially receiving a huge package. So it's, it's one of those rare instances where I think they can sell and they can ask high and that's, that's okay. You know, we know Alavila has had these like obscene asks in trades. And I think this is the one year where it's okay to be obscene and be crazy. And worst thing that happens is somebody says, yes, you know, and then you, you got to get yourself a good deal. But if not, you know, you're, you're standing pat, you're keeping the guys that you got and you, you roll with it. So I, I think they could go a variety of different ways, but if I were them personally, I'd probably just hold. And let me ask you this, Jake, just overall, do you trust the front office to make a good trade? Gosh, what a loaded question. Ugh. I I don't know if I want to answer this question in fear of the the Twitter reaction that might that might come back at me. Um Well now you have to. <laughs> I I don't I don't know how I feel about them making the trades that they do. What frustrates me about sometimes 
So they'll say, you know, why would you trade so-and-so? And the answer is the return, right? Like I, I always come back to, okay, you don't want to trade Spencer Turnbull. Would you trade Spencer Turnbull for Fernando Tatis Jr.? Everybody would be like, yeah, of course. Why not? Okay. So, so there is a line. So you would trade them. So it really comes back to what's the return. And that's kind of why I was getting back to, okay, I, I, I don't like what they've done with rental players specifically. Um, you know, can we just <laughs> hold on to our players for once, ride this thing out? Maybe one of our prospects gets hot, you know, and we can make a little run, make things fun. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my general thought on it. I, I, I'm not here to trash them, the front office or anything like that. It's what I'm do, but I, I'm just, I guess, soured on the idea of trading for prospects anymore. Yeah. Especially for where we're at with the Tigers. I mean, we should be competing for something real in about two years. Does everyone agree about with that two years, yeah, a good window. Fair. So yeah. Um, John. Yeah. I think we should be competing in about two years, but why can't we compete this year? I mean, we're in the hunt. We're close. So let me answer your question like this, Marty. Should we sell? Yes. Should we buy? Maybe. Should we hold steady? Yes. So what I mean is if you get a trade for, let's say, Spencer Turnbull, now you have to look at, let's call it Matt Manning. What's the difference between Matt Manning and Spencer Turnbull? Is it worth you know, getting rid of him to call up Manning and get another piece in return? Um, the reliever is the same thing. I mean, Manning could be a reliever, you know, like David Price was in, what was it, 2008, uh, when he came up with the closer in the World Series. I mean, he, he got his first career save or win. I think he was the first player ever to get it in the postseason. So if we got rid of Buck Farmer, but Matt Manning came up, what's the difference? I mean, we've got to make room for these kids at some point anyways. So if we trade them and call up the kids, is the difference really worth it? Probably a little bit, but it's negligible compared to what we might get in return. So I could see us trading a couple people, calling up a couple people. I mean, like I said, you got to make room for it. Uh, Candelario has been hot. If we trade him and call it Torkelson, am I going to complain? No, I'm not going (laughs) to complain at all. I want to see Torque up right now. So if the right trade comes along and you've got the kid in the minors, uh, Scope comes to mind, though. We don't really have a second baseman. I mean, unless we get Cody Clemens back, I think he's playing independent ball, isn't he? So if we call up Cody Clemens, is he ready for the big show? That's a big difference. I I would almost keep scope, and I'm not about tanking. I want to win every game. So if you can make a trade and still win, I'm all about it. All right. And Kellen, take us home. We buy and we sell, and what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no firm buy or sell answer. I think that you have to analyze uh, these trade ships kind of on a case by case basis. Um, I think the only, the only hard sell in my mind is is scope. Um, just because he's going to be a guy that likely won't be on the team next year, regardless. Um, you know, he's on the last year of his contract. He's not a guy that I, I can see us re-signing. Um, in terms of the bullpen guys, Farmer and Cisnero, um, I think that you really have to have a plan if you're going to trade those guys, because, you know, just looking at the bullpen now, um, or even even if we're looking at it going into next year, I mean, Soto is really the only legitimate reliever if we trade those guys. You know, Jimenez is effectively broken right now. Um, can you really trade Farmer and Cisnero and go into next year 
having to sign, you know, three or four free agents in order to have a, a capable bullpen. Um, and I'm not sure that that's a situation you want to put yourself in when you're, you know, trying to bring up my school Manning. Um, so, I mean, we, we really don't have anything in the, in the minors in terms of bullpen help. Um, you're looking at maybe Vladimir Pento, Jason Foley down the line, but um, you know, what those guys will be, we don't really know. Um, in terms of internal options, you have maybe Kyle Funkhauser, Bo Burrows, but you know, whether those guys will ever be ready for high leverage innings, um, you know, remains to be seen. So I think you really have to have a plan if you're going to trade one or both those guys. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And we're kind of at that point where you could go either way. You know, I think I, there's a part of each one of your arguments that I agree with, you know, that we could go for it all, but I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. When I take the, you know, I, I look at our team, you know, and I, I zoom out, we're, we're two years away from legitimately doing this thing the right way. And we've built it the right way um, through the draft, through the young arms. Now we signed some free agents in a year or so, and we go from there right now. I, I would say put personally, I don't see a reason to jump in to anything. Let's just see what we have. I mean, this year is nuts and let's just ride it out. I think that'll put us in the, in the best spot. Marty, yeah, and just to button that up, it, it would be welcome to see some level of creativity. You know, in mm -hmm. trades in the past, it, it doesn't seem like they've done things like acquire international free agent money or, um, you know, just be open-minded in general to the idea of potentially getting better. And I think if they can get better, whether that's trading one of their MLB assets for another MLB asset to, to you know, a roster spot or something like that, you know, just get creative a little bit with it. And I think mm -hmm. this opportunity and kind of where they're at in the season would afford that. So that would be kind of what I would like to see out of the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this real quick, Jake, um, of the uh, prospects after we get Matt Manning, who, who, who's after him, who's the next person that can actually move, get some, you know, talent in here or could actually move the dial after Manning. As far as like a prospect uh, or are you talking yeah. about like impact? Um, uh, for the, let's, let's look at it as far as the market goes. So if you were to move someone to, to buy somebody, you know, who has the most leverage right now outside of after Manning? Oh, as far as like prospect value to, to acquire a major league asset. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Manning is probably, yeah, the, the one guy, obviously the call-ups will, will have significant value because the theory is that you can plug them right into your lineup. Uh, you know, as far as guys that are out there, I don't think you could trade Torkelson if you wanted to right now, being he was a 2020 draftee. Usually the rules around that are you have to wait that first year. I don't know if COVID changed that or anything, like that, but um, Daz Cameron is somebody that's close um, mm -hmm. as well. And I don't know. That's the hard part, too, is we don't really know what's going on in Toledo. It's hard to know how these guys are performing. Are they healthy? Are they progressing? You know, it. It's just so difficult to really know for sure. Um, and that's one of the many hurdles that we're going to be faced in this uh, trade deadline. So. Mm -hmm. You want to say something, Kellen? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I will say, um, you know, if they do end up making any trades at the deadline, I think there's a, a specific type of player that I want to see them target um, in returns. And that's a, a one of two players, either a, a high upside bat that might be lower in the minor leagues um, so say a, a draft pick from last year or maybe an international signing, somebody that has a lot of raw talent, maybe hasn't realized it yet. Um, or a player that's an older prospect that's on the, 
kind of facing a roster crunch that's on the fringe of the major leagues right now. So um, say someone like Jake Cronenworth and, and um, from the Padres who, you know, he was an older prospect and was on the roster bubble. Of course, now he's been part of that, um, you know, five grand slams in a week or whatever. Yeah, they had one today. Slam <laughs> Diego, baby. And uh, Diego. He's, he's probably no longer available, but that, that type of player, you know, uh, some other names that come to mind are like a Kevin Crone or an Andy Young in Arizona. Um, just guys that are older prospects that are, you know, facing a bit of a roster crunch and might not be seeing enough playing time in their respective teams. I'm sick of hearing about how somebody's average and RBIs I mean they're a good player. I want to know so much more. And I think this would be a chance. McCoskey, like I said, I only listened for a couple seconds uh, just on the way to the store real quick. So I didn't get to hear much, but I want to hear more about that. Yeah, there's yeah, – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'll say that. I agree. That would be great. I mean, a stat cast type broadcast, um, you know, folks who understand that aspect of the game would be a great alternative once in a while. You know, over Jack Morris talking about uh, getting one more out to get the win. <laughs> <laughs> they are using more – they are using more stat cast data during – and I will – I think it's Austin Drake over at Fox Sports Detroit who takes care of all the stats and graphics. He does a great job. And they are using more of that, but it's going to take some time. And I, I know a lot of fans, and I, we've seen this on our site, when all of you guys do a great job of explaining it. Because when I talk about exit velocity, some people just give me a look like, like, or XBA or some of those advanced stats. But more and more, I think a lot of, I think, a, I, I will say, from my experience, it seems like fans are understanding that more and more. And that's a good thing. Well, I was actually noticing that about our um, Twitter lately, the MCB uh, Twitter, Roger. You've been firing off some good advanced stats where I'm like, ah, that's good to know. You well, know, it's, so. uh, today, I, full credit to Jacob and Chris today because I took the day off from doing anything of value outside writing that Victor Reyes and then getting a debate about it with people uh, just <laughs> about a half hour ago. No, it's, it's, it's just a – I think fans should know it's, – it's important for fans to understand that it's just not – batting average is not everything or ERA – the, the difference between American league ERA and the national league ERA and, and why is that such a nuance? Now it, it may not even matter anymore. Uh, getting all geeky for everybody out there. So it's important that everybody have that. And so I want to thank, we had a five-star review in the last round table that made a lot. That meant a lot to, I know it meant a lot to me and I know to you guys, it's really cool that in our fifth show that we already had a five-star review on the Tigers SRD feed. So this is just, I can just show this to Kurt and go, hey, Kurt, look, we need to start the MCV feed back. Let's get this going. And more views, more comments afterwards. We really appreciate that. And thank you again. That's, it's always huge. I always get like all misty eye when I see a five-star review. I don't know why, Stu. So, um, but it's really good to see that. So um, any final thoughts before we get out of here, gentlemen? Um, real quick, I, I, I haven't done it yet. And I know that, um, you know, there's been some really great content about Miguel Cabrera, but I mean, he's struggling obviously. So I want to see where his plate discipline is at right now. I haven't done any type of deep dive, but I was sitting there watching it today and he's just, you know, swinging at pitches that are, you know, six, six inches, 12 inches, you know, off the plate. And I, it's something I don't normally see, you there's know, I expect the bat. Yep. What was that? I was going to say there is a book about Miguel Cabrera now, as far as like how to pitch him and how to handle him. Now it seems like it's, you know, fastball in breaking stuff away and it just okay. goes back and forth until they get him out. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, well, it must have really screwed with his head because it's, you know, I'm just seeing at bats I just have never seen before. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of what I, that's been on my mind just today, just watching the game. Mm-hmm. Tristan McKenzie struck him out three times on 11 pitches last night. I mean, that was embarrassing. I felt bad for him. <laughs> I mean, he was just overmatched uh, in all three at bats. He didn't come close. Yeah, Mikowski mentioned something about that that he or it was it was Dave during the process. I'm sorry, Dave Dickerson. I think it was Dave Dickerson. I can't remember where I heard it, but essentially that he is struggling with. He is frustrated that he's making hard heck or hard contact. He's just not sure, and it's kind of screwed up his approach to the plate. So that's what he said. According to he was talking to the Guardian about that. So interesting enough. But if you had a chance, check out Uper's piece, the Crumbling Foundation of Melco Cabrera, which by the way has. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but just it's, let's just say it's done very well for the website. And go to MotorCityBangles.com, check out all the great content. Again, we have the trade deadline piece coming up with the ESPN list of four players, and a lot of uh, fans out there are like, oh, ESPN, stir the pot. Uh, also, check out the Anthony Alper piece. If you want to learn more about the outfielder, good job there, John, with that. I thought that was a really well done piece. And also, what am I? Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention Jose Sanero. The future closer, Kellen's piece last week illustrated why he would be a good candidate in bullpen for better role, and he stepped up today. So for myself and the entire MCB staff, this, you also check out our Cup of Cubby Blue podcast with Sarah Sanchez as we discuss the Cubs and Tiger Series that kicks off tomorrow. So as of time you're listening, it'll be kicking off tomorrow evening. So we'll see you next time.